Welcome to ABC at Noon. I'm Larry Boss, and I'm here with Paul Shiner. Welcome back, Paul, from uh, your trip. Thank you, Down Larry. to Carolina. Yes. Yeah, good to see you. We're also here with our regular co-host also now is Jack Ballantyne, who is our reporter, a special reporter who goes to the city council meetings and takes notes and, and, and comes here to discuss it. So, Jack... Welcome back, too. Thanks, Larry. Good to see you. I want to ask Jack a question before we proceed. Jack, you kind of enjoy going to city council meetings, don't you? Yes, very much. Can you explain that? uh, I have a a deep interest in just the overall process of governing, and I think it's important uh, to delve into the details. Uh, One of the things I personally believe in is that in government, I think the uh, kind of the credibility and the character of a government always comes from the people. And so participation and knowledge of what's going on is important to uh, kind of create that the character that uh, a community would like to uh, possess. So I, I find it important, and I like delving into the specifics of the various activities of Valparaiso and how we're continuing to try to make it a better place to live. Thanks. Okay, but before we get going any further, i got to remind people that you are listening to WVLP LP 103.1 on your radio dial and remind you this also streams live at WVLP.org, okay? So you can get us uh, any place uh, in the world. This does replay also on Tuesday, uh, at 5 o'clock, and again on Sunday at 5 o'clock, and the following Tuesday again on at 5 o'clock. ABC at noon. ABC stands for Agenda for a Better Community. Uh, and what happened, where this came from, was about a year and a half ago, a group of people got together to talk about Valparaiso, and it came to the conclusion that while Valparaiso has, 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 has grown considerably and and, and uh, the Costas administration, I think it's safe to say, has done a wonderful job in various things. There have been some things that have been left undone. There are some things that we could do that would make this essentially a better community. So people got together, sat down, and they put together a brochure on about seven issues that they thought that would make, really make a difference if we did something about them. Paul and I then established this ABC at Noon program in addition to the brochures. I should point out the brochures and the information. You can go to abcvalpo.org and you can get uh, one of the brochures or you can call 476-9000 at the studio and you can get a, uh, we will see that you get a copy of this brochure that talks about these these various issues in the situation. What Paul and I did for the last nine months is that in preparation for the election, we talked to candidates. We talked to 13 of the 19 candidates, and we aired those on this program. We also had a forum at Trinity Lutheran Church uh, where all the Democrats, everybody was invited, only Democrats showed up, uh, that uh, spent two hours talking about the issues. And these shows, the interviews in the show, the forum replayed on this program. We figured about for about 80 hours of, of airtime. Okay, so um, what now this election is over, what we've done is we brought Jack Ballantyne in here uh, to be our reporter, so we can we can look at these issues as they are are dealt with or not dealt with by the city council. So one of our goals here is to think about these issues and what the city council has done about them, but also to keep people informed regularly about what's going on at the city council, okay? And that's pretty much Jack's job. Paul, you want to add to that? I do. Uh, the, the existing city council, which has been in place for four years, has had their final meeting. They will not have another meeting in December. And when they have their next meeting, and what's the date of that meeting, Jack? January 13th. That will represent not only a new city council, but a new mayor, and a new clerk treasurer. So it will be a significant event in the sense that uh, I think all of these people are untested on the city council except for two. I think there were two reelected, or were there more than that? Or five? No, there are three on the city council Um, Bob, 
Diana and George, George, who have been on the city council in the past. The mayor was on the city council, the new mayor, Matt, and the clerk treasurer has worked in that office, but she is taking over the role of clerk treasurer for the first time. So uh, we're going to speculate about the nature of that city council and this administration, but as of right now, we don't know too much about it. That's all I wanted to add. Okay, and I want—I I needed to add one more thing, and that is that. <clears throat> excuse me. This program is brought to you in part as uh, as a result of the of a grant from the Human Relations Commission, and we thank them and the city for uh, helping us with this particular program. So, let's go on and let's talk about the last city council meeting. So, Jack, I'll turn it over to you, and you can begin to explain. You know what happened at the last city council meeting. Okay, thanks, Larry. The uh, last city council meeting was held December 9th. Uh, the uh, council attendance, all seven council members were in attendance along with the mayor and the clerk treasurer. As far as citizen attendance goes, uh, there were approximately 35 people in the audience, 25, uh, approximately 25 of which were Valparaiso High School students. It was what appeared to be part of a kind of a class exercise. I don't know if they have a civics class or some government class, but it was a, uh, a an outing uh, by a, a group from Valparaiso High School. So that was kind of the breakdown of the audience, 10 citizens, 25 citizen students. As far as what was covered, the first thing I'd like to say is that last meeting I answered a question incorrectly uh, related to the dog park. Uh, I believe that to have been open, but that is not true. That The dog park, which is located on Campbell at the old Clifford Stone uh, uh, facility, uh, will they're scheduled to have a soft opening sometime late winter in a full opening sometime in the spring. So that facility is not open yet. So I, yeah, I was wondering how it was going to operate because a lot of fences weren't done yet. Correct. So I they maybe they're going to have some kind of magic. Yeah, right. So after the meeting, I went over there and checked that out. But uh, that is the proper information on that. The other issue that was left open from previous council meetings was the Ordinance 30 which are the amendments to Article 11 of the Unified Development Ordinance that we spoke about over the last two weeks. This has to do with the architectural and construction features and building materials that are permitted in the city, again, to try to maintain the character of the city as we know it and uh, make for long-lasting buildings and safe buildings and so forth. So that was held over again, and that will be taken up by the new council in 2020. Can I ask, again, I think I asked the same question last time, what what is the reason for the holdup on this? I mean, you had said that there were some people wanted to look at it further. Is there some specific things in there that they're objecting to, or just in general they need more time? It's pretty much in general that they need more time. There have been no objections stated by any of the stakeholders, I will say, the developers, the contractors, the businesses uh, that would be most impacted by this. I think it's just a matter of uh, trying to make it the best document possible, being that we're going through a revision stage and getting a lot of input. Jack, let me ask a question about that. This is an ordinance that will set some guidelines as to what materials are acceptable. Yes. In what domain? Commercial? Downtown? residential, certain cities, certain parts of the city, certain zoning areas? It's, it's directed at non-residential, and it is uh, developed according to some specific areas as mentioned in the um, uh, Article 11 itself. So it, it applies to specific, I'll call it zoning areas uh, across the city, uh, depending on what, how a particular area is zoned. With, with having a builder's background, uh, the, the comment that I would make, and I'm not sure it's relevant because I don't know the nuts and bolts of the proposal, although I've skimmed it, is that typically these kinds of ordinances increase costs. That, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell when you read through. If you go down and look at 
what is it, Article 30, if you go down and look at how it existed initially and then look at the additions, it's, it's hard to tell. We talked about this last time that um, there's all kinds of regulations of awnings and arcades and overhangs and size of windows, uh, even color we talked about last time, that the, one of the language in the, the report uh, relates to uh, mixed brilliant complementary colors, okay? Um, you know, so it is pretty picky, stuff like that, too. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't understand enough about comp composite siding and all these other kinds of things that, that might add money to that kind of thing. Yeah, I think the, the effort is really directed at uh, making sure materials are durable, uh, that the architecture stays, like they say, within the character of the city. I'm not so sure as far as, and I, I'm not that familiar with the ins and outs of the what has gone on in the past, but certainly construction in Valparaiso for the uh, what we see, particularly along Main Street, I'm sure is uh, more costly. I don't know that this will add costs. I just think that in general to, to maintain this kind of city appearance as opposed to some of the cities, like I said in the, the, our last session, I, when I travel around the country, I take particular look at various cities and enjoy the differences between those cities and ours. But our city would be one of the... the, the top appearance ones that I would say, and that comes with some of the detail that you see in, in an ordinance like this. So I would say, yes, it'll be more costly. I don't know that this would add costs, though, over and above what it has been. Yeah, and I'm not making that assertion because I simply don't have enough knowledge. And there are city um, codes that are uh, contemporary codes that make things significantly more expensive than, say, codes of 50 years ago. On the other hand, they save lives. Yes. Sprinkler systems. Yes. Um, uh, accommodations for people who are restricted in their mobility. They are positive. There are positives right. associated with it. Yeah. You have to dig into the weeds of this to see. Exactly. It, and I suspect this is a fairly thoughtful group. I suspect yes. it is not an abusively... Um, yes. exorbitant change uh, designed to do anything other than to enhance what you described as a fairly positive yes. uh, appearance. Yep. My, my impression so far, and I've only been at this for six months, although I've lived here for 25 years, but I haven't been this involved uh, only on uh, certain specific um, uh, situations in the city. But as far as a concentrated effort, what I've my initial impression is that the people working what I'll call behind the scenes are what you just described. They are dedicated to trying to make this city's, um, <clears throat> maintain the city's character <clears throat> and provide safety for the citizens and doing the best they can. When you have a, a article as complex as this, only people that are intricately involved in it would totally understand it. But, um, as far as it's an example of how regulations are not bad, uh, but they do need to be reviewed as this is being done to update them and uh, take advantage of the best technology of the day and uh, try to maintain the cost efficiencies of, of the decisions being made. And I think that is the total effort here. When I think about this, I think about Costa's first campaign he ran, and one of the issues he had was Caddy Corner from the Butterfield Pavilion there. There used to be a, a car wash, and the car wash was horrible, horrible looking. And I remember, I remember the literature that that, that, that Costas had had a picture of that, and I noticed that. That car wash is gone, but the lot is still empty sitting And in. it's still pretty horrible looking, too. It's still pretty horrible looking. Yeah. But but that was, he framed it as, you know, sort of a city beautiful. And that was the, that was the centerpiece of his campaign. And, it's, and that seems to be consistent what he's doing here, too. So, Okay, so as far as the, the, the kind of the newer order of businesses, we had four ordinances that they were read in first reading at the last meeting and would be... Uh, read in second reading at this meeting, uh, which is followed by a public hearing for any citizen comment, and then a final vote by the council. 
the ordinances involved uh, for this meeting uh, were Ordinance 32, which is appropriating funds in the local road and street fund. This is a, a, uh, an appropriation of $350,000 for materials and $125,000 for other services and charges. These dollars are primarily, uh, the material dollar amount is primarily for road salt, which as we mentioned before was about a $100,000 increase over the budget amount uh, last year because our salt inventory in the city from what we experienced last year was very low. So the appropriation was uh, increased actually by about $75,000 is the way it turns out. And the paving part, uh, the other services has to do with some miscellaneous paving that is done across the city, uh, and that's the same as it was last year. But on that topic, uh, as far as looking at the Public Works Department, which is in charge of our roads and streets, um, they are responsible for maintaining 162 miles of city roads. Uh, this includes patching, resurfacing, sealing. They are also responsible for plowing snow and providing the salt, as we mentioned in this ordinance, uh, maintaining the necessary detours and road closures, providing necessary assistance to police, fire, and emergency response vehicles. Uh, they also um, are responsible for this uh, street sweeping and this is very important because this is what prevents debris from building up in the catch basins, which could eventually, if they were blocked, uh, lead to flooding around the city. So it's a, that's a very important function that our public works performs. In addition, they are responsible for maintaining traffic control devices, um, such as stop signs, yield signs, speed limit signs, installing all street markers, painting all the lane markings, particularly you see those people out there at the start of schools to keep our kids safe and marking those crosswalks uh, and maintaining the center line and edge lines to help us uh, drive safely through the city. So this group does a lot and that ordinance Obviously, at uh, like $450,000 or so, doesn't really tell the story. That's a very small part of the, what becomes the uh, expenditures made by the department related to our roads. For example, last year, the total spent on city roads uh, within the Public Works Department was $4 million. In uh, this... Uh, what was performed last year were what they call 10 crossing roads were uh, resurfaced and there were 10 what I'll call neighborhood roads resurfaced. In the crossing roads that was about 6.5 miles of roadway and in the neighborhood area it was about 3.5 so somewhere around 10 miles of roadway were resurfaced uh, with a price tag of about four million dollars. Uh, Back in the, probably uh, going back 10, 15, maybe even 20 years ago, this was a, a particular area of uh, um, concentration for the government when they realized that maintaining this amount of roadway would require a lot more expenditure than may have been uh, sourced at that time. And they made a concerted effort to put together funding to maintain our roads. And what they figured based on the program that they've run, it will take somewhere between three and $4 million annually in order to uh, keep our roads in shape uh, and, and maintain them um, through the year. They basically put together about a, a roadway as far as existence go. They, f they figure that a road will last 25 years. But that requires a bunch of maintenance techniques over those 25 years. And it's kind of a sequence of every 12 years, they go through a certain pattern of what you see out on the roadways as far as sealing the cracks, uh, which is very important to maintaining a road is water gets down in those cracks and you get a freeze-thaw situation, you will destroy the road. So the effort to, which is a much more economical way to maintain these roads through sealing, then in around uh, year seven, they do a uh, kind of a resurfacing 
a, a less expensive resurfacing technique, and um, and then continue a program of sealing cracks. And then they repeat that um, uh, sequence uh, as far as in the in the twelfth year a road gets pretty much what they call an overlay. That's not a total reconstruction, but it's a pretty significant uh, resurfacing technique. Uh, and then they would figure when they're budgeting, looking at overall into the future, they're looking at these 162 miles of roads in 25 years. At some point in their life, they will have to be uh, redone, uh, which uh, you know gets into the significant cost. You know, it's an interesting thing that uh, the, the old world, if you go to Europe, you see uh, streets that are cobblestone that were put in by the Romans. Um, now, fixing them is pretty time-consuming. Um, and, and we have a far, far more efficient system. We just get this big machine that goes and nibbles the whole thing out, and then yeah. the resurfacers come in. But they don't last very long. Now, of course, uh, Roman roads didn't have to deal with weather, but... But those those same that same style exists in Northern Europe also, so I, I'm not advocating that we go back to cobblestone streets. Uh, just it's just an interesting it's an interesting uh, development. The fact that it's that also interesting to remind people that you are listening to ABC at noon. Um, I'm Larry Boss, and we have Paul Shiner and Jack Ballantyne, and we're talking about what happened at the last uh, city council. I found that part really interesting because I never, I never really thought about what the pattern was. And when you spell it out, the first six years, they just they just seal the cracks, and then and after that, and after that, and after that. Yeah. One question I have, and you may get into this yet, but how do they decide which ones? There's a, there's a, there's a master plan, correct? Yes. What I, I, I did not ask, uh, uh, Nate McKinley is the director of public works, and he's very helpful if you have any questions, uh, he, he is a, a good resource. I didn't ask him that specifically, but what from I gather from discussion is absolutely the city does a lot of uh, inspecting around the city, both in the areas of streets, sidewalks, as we discussed uh, the box placement of the collection boxes that we <clears throat> talked about on another ordinance. So they have people that are looking and, and putting together a master plan and lining up. So last year they lined up these 20 roadways the crossing roads were, uh, for example, just to list them real quickly, is Appletree, Glendale, Goodrich, McCord, Silhavy, Coolwood, uh, Bullhazy, um, I'm sorry, Bullseye Lake, uh, and the Country Club and Evans. As people in Valparaiso can understand, those are some of the main through streets that um, in the city. Uh, the neighborhood ones I won't mention, but yes, they've gone through and said, okay, here's where we need to put the emphasis this year, and, and they will have a master plan for 2020 also. Can I ask another question? Sure. On the chart that you gave us, basically projected annual bid paving list, the first one on the list is alley. Yes. Are they paving alleys? Yeah. Yes, that would be part of... Uh, that is part of their domain, yes. So it and says they, Union, Freeman, College, Greenwich, right. uh, College, Greenwich, Jefferson. Those are all hilltop. They're all on the hill. Yeah. 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 Now, I didn't look at those specifically. I did go around to each of these, uh, the, the 10 major road areas and the 10 neighborhoods, and all of them have been completed. The alleys I didn't look at. The only alley that I know... Uh, the one that is part of that 603 Indiana that the Redevelopment Commission is part of, that one has not been done. I know that, but I did not visit these yeah. uh, specific I just wanted because it seemed like it was kind of an interesting pattern. Of, of when, uh, when the radio station was located at uh, on Indiana Avenue, while we were there, they paved that alley. Yeah. And it had been an a, a unpaved alley prior to that. So it was a, it was a considerable improvement. Yes. The, the alley behind the Axe Avenue projects that could paved um it wasn't an alley or well if you're talking about the duplexes that were yeah. built on morgan boulevard that was a dedicated alley that at the time we bought the property did not exist in other words when you walked up on the hill there adjacent to the cemetery there was no alley 
and we suggested to the mayor that it would be to the advantage of the residents if egress was off of Union Street rather than off of South Morgan, and he agreed, and the city agreed to put that alley in because it was their property. Yeah. And they the, did it on their nickel, too. The one alley that I do know was completed, um, I do volunteer at the pantry, and they have an alley behind them between Greenwich and College. That alley was paved, which is a great help to us because getting in material uh, by uh, Dolly uh, navigating a, a what used to be a stone alley, uh, it greatly helps our ability to get uh, food into that pantry. That's so I a, do know that one is. That's um, an alley that runs east-west. Correct. Right across from Hilltop Neighborhood House. Right. Uh, from College up to Greenwich Street, right by the, yes. uh, go, it goes by the old uh, uh, Maria Lane's, Maria, which Maria is no Lainers, longer yeah. Maria Lane's. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I was unaware that they had done that. Yes. I believe that parking lot has been paved too behind the apartment building, but not uh, by the city. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure of that, but uh, yeah. So as far as just, again, trying to get an appreciation when you see an ordinance like this, uh, this is in, in the scope of the work required by our public works department. Uh, this is only a small portion of it. The major funding that comes for our roadways now, this has developed, I'll say since 2015, from the standpoint of an effort by local, state, and federal government to recognize what people have heard about the infrastructural crumbling in the United States. Efforts have been made to try to uh, provide resources to correct this problem. It may not be enough, but efforts are being made, and this represents part of that effort. What we've had since that time in funding the roads right now, a portion has always come from property taxes and more recently from general funds uh, in Valparaiso, which include uh, trash collection uh, and other sources of uh, funding that come into the city. And of course, that has to go out and expenses and roads are part of that. But the larger ones more recently have been the gas tax. The state increased the gas tax most recently uh, in in 2000, uh, just talking in a time period since 2000, I'll say 15, as far as the input to Valparaiso specifically from that gas tax, we get $2 million from the fund that the state has set up. It's, it's a state a motor vehicle highway fund, and that fund on the city books is also called the motor vehicle highway fund. And from that, that is funded out of the state contribution. So those, those are our state taxes, and they come back to Valparaiso in the form of about $2 million related to helping us repair the road. The other source that was created in 2016 by the city is a municipal tax called a wheel tax, which when you register your vehicle, you'll see that's one of the line items on that registration. For a passenger car, it's 25. For a boat trailer, it's 10. For a commercial truck, I think it's 40. Um, those funds have created somewhere between six and nine hundred thousand dollars a year, again targeting uh, the repair of these roads. These are funds that were not predominantly available, uh, like I said, 15, 20 years ago, and the city streets, from what seems uh, the talking point, were not anywhere close to the shape that they are today. Um, and so a lot of work is going into that. The third area from the funding source that is new, in 2016, the state also created what they call the Crossing Road Matching Grant Program. And that is how these 10 roads uh, that I mentioned on the crossing road list, the uh, Glendales, the Silhavies, the Evans, and so forth, that's how they were uh, partly funded to get done. This is a matching fund that for the size of our city is a 50-50 match. If Valparaiso can come up with a million dollars, up to a million dollars, the city will, um, I'm sorry, the state will match that million. And that's what happened in 2017 and 2019, that the uh, city dedicated uh, to projects a million dollars and got an additional million dollars from the state. So essentially, I just described three million dollars coming back to Valparaiso from the state to help us with the roads over the last uh, three years. Um, 
which is what is required to to uh, keep our uh, city streets safe and uh, in in good shape. The other area that is not part of the public works, but has to do with the streets we travel on, the work on the roundabouts, and I'll, I'll concentrate on the one, the most recent one at Sylhavy, which has just been completed. And uh, I've driven through it a couple of times and it does very well. Yep, I uh, did too. It's, it's a, that was a nice engineering project and people should appreciate uh, what it takes to you know shoehorn that in and make it as safe as it appears to be and, and continue to have traffic flow and the great job that everyone did as far as redirecting traffic. It, there's a couple of pains there, but for the most part, for the size of that job, I thought they did an excellent job. At the same time, I think the, that the process that we went through to get it done, I thought people... I've heard people talk, but I thought they're going to die in the Target park in the parking lot because they couldn't get out of it. Yeah, that was so, that. But we're done. Yeah, and, and right, we're done, and, and that was about the level of the pain, <clears throat> right. But the interesting thing there is those projects are, now those are funded because it is uh, a, a um, state highway, and I'm not sure the overall uh, regulations involved here, but that gets, uh, that can, t um, attach itself to federal and state funding also. And in that situation, the Redevelopment Commission contributed a million dollars to that project, and they were matched from state and federal grants by $4 million. So again, another $4 million came back to Valparaiso uh, to complete the project of the Silhavy Road and the roundabout. Uh, so again, the, the city is looking to get as many resources to provide us with, uh, you know, the best road system uh, possible. And that's kind of the work they've done. Jack, do you, do you have a number, a cost for that roundabout? Uh, yeah, it's uh, based on the appropriation. The roundabout itself is uh, 500000 approximately, the roundabout. The road way work. Um, what was that again? It, it, so 500000 For the roundabout itself, but all the roadway work okay. around yeah. it is another um, for five. So it was a million total? Um, no, it's five, it's $5 million. Okay. $5 million. The okay. total for everything around that and branching out Sylvie Roads, right. $5 million, of which $4 million came from state and federal grants. It was a massive job because they changed the grade of that highway yes. yeah. some three to four feet. Yeah. And so at one point, we're driving on an area that has been finished, and you look to the adjacent lane, and it's either four feet higher or four feet lower. Yeah. So it, 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 that was a colossal project. Yes. Yeah. So, so some of why I bring this up is just for that, for people to have an appreciation. They see this work going around, and you know, how does it all happen? It, you know, requires, uh, the money is just, you know, that's the resource to get it done. And then of course the, the people and the, the end result is what we have, but to have an appreciation of the, the engineering that went into it, the securing of funds, uh, and trying to minimize the overall cost directly to what I'll say are our municipal taxes, but just also have an appreciation that none of this is free, that yes, it is, we pay our state taxes and we get a part of that back. And that's one of the projects when we pay our state taxes, that's what you're looking at. It's a much safer intersection. It appears so far, I would say, it's uh, less of a nuisance of an intersection for sure. It's my experience so far. And it helps that whole commercial area. I mean, we put in major um, retail area. It definitely required road improvement in order to facilitate people getting in and out of that area. So so if you ride around out there in your car and you're listening to who are these people talking about about paving alleys and costs of roundabouts, this is ABC at noon. Okay, I'm Larry Boss and I'm here with Paula Shiner and Jack Ballantyne. We're talking about these things. I have a question. According to what you wrote down here, that the $1 million came from the Redevelopment mm -hmm. Commission. So is that where did that come from? Is that is that is that a direct payment from the city? 
Because if it comes to redevelopment, may is that may? Yeah, the redevelopment commission is is a is should probably be another topic. Uh, the re the basically, but I mean, how, their contribution in this situation was a million dollars. Yes. Okay. Where they the redevelopment commission is a situation by which we've set up. Uh, uh, incremental tax districts, and uh, they manage a set of monies that are generated in those districts and provide projects, and this was one of their projects. And they funded it to the tune of a million dollars in order to secure the $4 million matching. But that's local property tax um, Okay, the... It is the incremental, where the sources of their funds, and like I said, we can take this up at another uh, time. But And I'm not a total expert on this, but just generally speaking, they set up a certain part. I think they, they would say that, uh, I'd have to look, a certain part of the assessed value of all of Valparaiso. Uh, they have a certain percentage of that. And I'm going to say uh, whether it's 17% is one of the figures. I don't know whether that's of the assessed value total or of the acreage uh, of Valparaiso. I forget which it was, but let's just talk 20%. So they set up the allocation area. And out of that, like where they put target, okay, before that was a... Something else. It was I don't a know. field. It was a field generating no tax. Right. You put Target on there, now it generates a lot of tax money. Right. That tax money is from the development of that area, and and so it went from zero to something. So whatever they pay in the tax would come in through the Redevelopment Committee, Commission. And they would then disperse that in projects, which would include uh, uh, assisting in the uh, roadway areas that are in that district. That district runs basically from Target all the way up to the Anco project that is undergoing. All that is a uh, a district. And so various things in there, the improvements that are made in there is how we fund the continuing improvement of redeveloping areas that are undeveloped at some particular time. But it there's much more to that, and that's a whole discussion at uh, probably another time. But anyway, yes, so they put in a million dollars because this was a project to facilitate that uh, district, that uh, tax uh, area. Okay. Okay? That's a simple That answer. okay means, no, I don't quite get it, but we're not going to get it today. Well, it makes sense to me, so yeah. Okay. I'll explain it to you afterwards, Paul. Thank you, Larry. Okay, yeah. Okay, so now we'll go on to some of the more uh, straightforward ordinances. The uh, next three ordinances were, again, uh, typical of previous years and funded at pretty much the same levels. Uh, the first one is um, the appropriating funds for the local police education fund. These are all second readings, correct? Yeah, yeah. that was 80000 Oh, okay, and so going back to that, uh, the... Uh, roads and street ordinance uh, that passed 7-0 with no public comment. Uh, this ordinance has to do with the uh, police uh, education fund for which our uh, police officers uh, have a variety of uh, education classes that uh, are offered and they are uh, participate in. This year the chief uh, pinpointed leadership is one of the, the topics that he's stressing, and um, they are funding that to the tune of $80,000. That passed 7-0 with no public comment. The next ordinance was the uh, uh, appropriating funds for police motor vehicle equipment. That is an appropriation of $20,000, typical of last year. Um, this is for equipments that police use in the course of their job, which would be radios, uh, light bars on the uh, vehicles. It's not the vehicles themselves. So this is for miscellaneous equipment in the performance of their job. That passed 7-0 with no public comment. And the last one taken up at this meeting was appropriating funds for firefighting. Uh, this was an ordinance of 80000 in personnel services, supplies of 5000 
and machinery and equipment of 100,000. That is similar to last year. I believe part of this has to do with building inspecting, and there was about $10,000 increase um, in the personnel services from last year, and I think that has to do with the increase in funding for those, uh, the amount of inspectors we may have or uh, uh, the, the salaries of those inspectors. But part of what this covers is um, some of that activity. As far as the equipment goes, they uh, are going to stress, like we said in the last meeting, purchasing heart monitoring equipment uh, for the EMS work that uh, our fire department performs. Just so you know, virtually every commercial building in Valparaiso is uh, inspected periodically by the fire department. And they do find things that need to be uh, improved. Just as an illustration, yes, in this building right here, behind where I am sitting, there is an electrical panel in the closet. At the time it was inspected, it was discovered that that electrical panel was encumbered by things piled up in front of it such that if there was an emergency and someone had to get into that and flip a switch, they couldn't do it. Well, the inspector pointed that out and said that, 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 that stuff that's piled here has to be someplace else. These things have to all be accessible. There's just a lot of nuance that goes into um, the kind of safety that we benefit from these inspections, and I've, I've seen it over and over and over again, where obvious things things that are not obvious to the layman uh, are, are, are raised, issues are raised by the inspectors. Same thing when the when churches are involved in the New Creations Men's Center, the fire department comes through uh, at least once a year and checks, checks these places out, churches out, to make sure that they're set up to handle these kinds of, of situations. Okay, And most of it involves lighting exit signs and different kinds of things like that make sure that there's an access to get out of the building in case something does happen. The, re the reason I bring up that, and I, th I suspect the reason you bring up what you just brought up, Larry, is that $80,000, $80,000 for what? Well, yeah. that's not a lot of money to pay someone mm. uh, or a couple of someones to inspect buildings. So that money can get spent yeah. very, very quickly. What's a life worth? That's what? What's a life worth? Well, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and yeah. if you've been lived in Valparaiso long enough, you have experienced things like the Lowenstein's fire. Uh, and that's not the only one. Yeah. Uh, where, where very, very large commercial structures have, have burned to the ground. Uh, and in, in my memory, I, I don't think there's been a lot of loss of life. But there could yeah. have been. I, yeah. I want to remind people again, once again, that you're listening to uh, ABC at Noon, and I'm Larry Boss, we have here with Paul Schreiner and Jack Ballantyne, and we're talking still about the last uh, city council meeting and uh, all of the things that um, they do at those meetings, some of them really exciting, like looking at the colors of walls on buildings and stuff like that, and, other things, too. But it gives you an idea what goes on at city council and the kind of things they have to deal with. So, Jack, back to you. Yeah, just to finish up then, uh, that was the kind of the business on the agenda. And then at the end of the meeting, they will open it up for uh, citizens to ask questions or provide comments, just general, not related to any specific ordinance or whatever, or public hearing. At this meeting, it was concentrated on the fact, as Paul mentioned earlier, uh, three council members are leaving the council uh, when we seat the new council in 2020. Deb Porter, Holly Howe, and Lenore Hoffman. Uh, each of them gave their comments uh, how their experience was on the uh, board. It w they were very interesting. And I'll just mention a couple, uh, just give you a gist of how they feel about the council. Um, each gave their thoughts uh, on their experience working uh, for the citizens of Valparaiso. Each praised the work performed and the dedication given to making Valparaiso a wonderful place to live uh, by the staff of each city department and the mayor. Each appreciated the support and knowledge both the city workers 
and the citizens had given them to make their council work rewarding and achieve success for the city. That's that's the part that kind of rang out for me is in what my opening comments about why I like doing this, that it is the citizens can and should play a big part in kind of maintaining the character of the community of Valparaiso. It, it's not, we don't just vote for a group of people that, and let them carry the water for us in a sense that these, to understand the big challenges that faces them and try to help uh, the best we can with, uh, uh, you know, their knowledge of our experiences and what the most important things uh, to the community in our eyes are. And that's part of what uh, needs to be done as far as getting involved uh, with the government. Um, so, and then, uh, Deb, Deb Porter pointed out uh, that this was the first council with a female majority, and she appreciated the historical significance of that. And she highlighted another important part for me is that in her experience, since the discussions uh, and voting were pretty much a nonpartisan of nonpartisan nature, and that. Uh, both is in the leadership of the council, the discussions, and the decision making. Um, so that's a, a good thing that we we would that I would want in a city council for sure, uh, and something that we uh, hopefully look forward to continuing. Uh, some of the noted accomplishments she stated, as far as the council in her terms were was the uh, revisions to the way the school board appointment process is performed, the human relations ordinance, and the transparency bid process ordinance. Um, so that's that was Deb's particular expressions. Uh, Holly Howe, uh, in addition, along the same veins as I said, uh, she encouraged the students in the audience uh, to get involved and shape the future of Valparaiso. And Lenore Hoffman uh, did an interesting thing where she asked the council to raise their hands if they had graduated from Valparaiso schools and eight of 10 of the people sitting on the dais had uh, graduated from Valpo schools. And uh, she encouraged the students maybe that they should think about uh, staying in the community and lead uh, the future of this community. The other person retiring is uh, Clerk Treasurer Sharon Swidart. Swidart. Sorry. Swidart. Swidart, right. Uh, after 37 years of service, Mayor Costas praised her uh, for the integrity and the performance as a major contribution to the excellent financial health of the city. Uh, also, Bill Oding, the city administrator, is also retiring. Uh, Mayor praised him for his contribution to making Valparaiso a better community. And three citizens spoke to thank the mayor uh, specifically for his uh, work in leading the city over the last 16 years. And the audience uh, gave him a uh, round of applause at the end of the meeting. And as we said earlier, the next council meeting will be Monday, January 13th at this uh, time. I haven't seen that posted, but that would be the uh, sequence uh, as far as the second Monday of the month. Thanks. Good report. Detailed. Okay. Precise. And you, and, you, and you still enjoy it. I still enjoy it, although I, I have to sharpen my explanations so that you will be able to understand what no, I'm saying. No, I understood what you said oh, about, okay. about, about, about the redevelopment commission's yeah. money you simply said that there's more to it than that yeah and we didn't talk about that that's the part i didn't oh, okay. get no no yeah, i understand tax what, income and finance yeah there's nothing is, yeah, a, i'm just know. saying it's a yeah as far as the projects they get involved with how they're funded and uh you know the details of it it's kind of its own topic that's all i meant there's nothing uh, you know it, the simple fact is what i stated that it's a a group of it a designated area and out of that comes a certain tax assessment right. and certain funds that can be provided to help us keep developing Valparaiso. One of the things that you noted in the details of this report was that the votes were all seven to zero. Yes. And um, that's with a, uh, uh, 
a split city council. Four Republicans, three Democrats. That's, That's right. correct. And these were issues that are fundamental, and I don't think there is a whole lot of controversy related to them, although I suspect if you dug real, real deep, you might be able to find some. But this council does agree on basic things. That isn't always the case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, if you go back and look over the last several years of council minutes, you'll see that most things are seven seven zip. Uh, the only exception to that would be a series of six one six to one votes, uh, pretty much on tax abatements, where Bob Cotton is the uh, lone dissenter on many of those things and other things as well. Right. Which raises an interesting question to me, and I don't know how to phrase it except one of the things that we heard in those interviews from Democratic uh, you know, de people running Candidates. for the, the Demo uh, Council of Democrats was they thought the council should be more aggressive. Okay, and that if they were elected they would make they would make it a more active, aggressive kind of council. So I, I see, you know, when you when what what does it mean if all the votes are seven to nothing? I mean, what what does that really mean? Okay, is, I think is it Paul? You, well, Paul, you're suggesting there's sort of a consensus on these things. Well, it seems to me it, it, it may also suggest that the the uh, council is, is just nothing more than a uh, no. Uh, yeah, I would I, I would say that my involvement in this short time gets back to what Paul said. The issues that that were put forth are fundamental activities of government that are shared pretty much by everyone. Repairing roads, as, uh, the, the issue of the parks would be one, do you want parks? If you want parks and you see the types of parks we have and you want that kind of level of parks, then we're going to have to provide the resources. And so the decisions made is yes, Valparaiso does enjoy that. And so when votes come up to say, do we want to fund these parks? It's a given that, yeah, we do. And the same way with roads, do we want good roads, you know, and is everything. So these particular issues, but when you get into the issues that Larry, you, you, you mentioned, when it comes down to uh, how things are paid for, like tax abatement, there you're getting into some debate for sure. And I would not expect those to be 7-0. And the other thing is that his, in this last council's, the agenda was controlled by the executive. So things like, and I'm going to the ABC now, uh, uh, environmental issues have typically not been issues that the city government mm -hmm. engages in. And there are those candidates that we interviewed who suggested strongly that the city needs to engage in those. At that point, we're going to have uh, a more um, colorful discussion, right. if you will. Yeah, I the ones that, that I've seen, going back into voting history briefly of what I've seen, though, for example, the, the issues that were not 7-0 uh, were the human relation re, uh, Ordinance that was a five-two vote for it, but it was five to two. The uh, wheel tax and the mayor-elect voted against it too. So yeah, the wheel tax was a four-to-three vote uh, for the wheel tax. But here's where you're getting into discussion of okay, yes, we like the roads. How do you fund them? How will people pay? And it's asking people to pay. So there's there's going to be some discussion. But at the end of the day, you eventually have to say, you know what. Uh, is is it a is it enough to say yeah I'm going to pay twenty five dollars and get the result that I see and that's that's what I'm trying to do is make people understand there's your investment out there that twenty five dollars is where you seeing these roads and sidewalks and uh, when you see that we're keeping it up is that it's it it's at least being spent to to the benefit of us and. Uh, Hopefully, we can all continue to afford it. <laughs> Let me give another example of that. I, I think Paul is correct by focusing on the issues that we want to bring up ABC. You know, our, our last conversations at Community Voices, we had Bob Cotton, and we spent probably most of the hour with him talking about problems with the agenda and getting things on the agenda. And one example, I, I was going over minutes of the meeting from last fall, and in one case, Bob Cotton wanted to yeah, wanted to um, uh, talk more about giving raises to the city and, and police people. 
and um, he couldn't get it on the agenda, really. And what was interesting, and according to the minutes, it says Bill Oding explained the city administration would not bring a proposal like this to the nature of this nature to the council. I mean, we're not going to bring up salaries of, of people. He does not feel they would support an additional raise in the longevity pay for police and fire. So here the administration decides, I don't think the city council would do this. But yet Bob Cotton saying, I think we need to talk about these kinds of things. And so there's an example of a control of the agenda. The city administration, I don't think you guys are going to talk about that. So therefore, we're not going to, we're not going to put it on the agenda. And that will be, that is the who sets the agenda issue That's will right. be an, an issue that the new city council will address yeah. because it has not always been the case that the executive controls the agenda. That's been a recent development. Yeah. And there I'll give my example is, you know, the, if you want to be a champion fighter and you got to get in the ring basically to win that championship, you don't get in the ring, you don't, you don't get a chance. And that's what's happening. If you don't get your issues up there, you're not going to get you're not going to get victorious. So the, the really big issue is what are cities supposed to do, and ultimately that's reflected as to what they value. Mm -hmm. And we all value being able to go from here to Target mm -hmm. on streets that don't destroy the suspension of our cars. Mm -hmm. Now, do we all value a sustainable environment? Well, we do. Yeah, but defining as to whether that's our role or not, right. and it's a less tangible thing than the suspension right. of our car. I, exactly. I, I think it goes further than that because if we start talking about questions like the environment, and we start talking about questions about economy and about fair pay, we're talking about discussing the basic fundamental economic structures of, and society that we live in. We don't do that. We'd rather talk about the size of your grass. Okay, we rather talk about your vinyl siding and stuff like that. We don't want to have a discussion on the basic fundamental issues. It's easier and it's more controllable to talk That's about right. those fundamentals, the, the length of your grass and whether there are potholes. Right. The other things are far less tangible, and we have ways of blaming, uh, shall I say, the victim for, other their, people. for their situation. Larry uh, and Jack, either of you have a, a last comment because we are about a minute or two from ending this show i'll leave that up to you larry oh i, I would say hey you know what uh keep in mind that the city council meets again on january 13th uh as paul schreiner always tells us reminds us you know the, the the meetings are different when people attend when there are people there things are different and you can hold the city council i think what jack is doing now is is not only informing the people uh, but he, but he's he's getting involved in holding the city council accountable for the kinds of things that they do or do not do one last thought our next show uh would air, originate on december 30th and you two slackers are going to be out of town, aren't you? That's I'm correct. I'd saying. rather... I'd What's rather, that? I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be in town. <laughs> so uh, ABC at noon will not air on December 30th. We will be back in early January uh, with a fresh edition of ABC at noon. I can sense people holding their breath out yes, there. Yes, they are. They are. Larry, thank you. Jack, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.